0: From the Boston Globe, this is Rhode Island Report. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. Welcome back to the podcast where we bring you big conversations from our very small state. Remember the 2020 election? Who could forget?
1: This election is like no other we have seen in our history. The stakes are so high. And the president has been encouraging his supporters to believe that the democratic system of elections is rigged.
2: When you see shenanigans, please report it to your authorities. The real authorities, they're watching.
0: Two local filmmakers got an unprecedented look at what it took to keep Rhode Island's elections running in a new documentary called No Time to Fail.
3: Officials say changes to the election process are necessary in the coronavirus pandemic. My office will be sending all active registered voters a mail ballot application.
0: The film goes behind the scenes with the people in Cranston, Providence, Central Falls and at the state level who made it possible for all of us to cast our votes. Last week at a screening during the Globe Docs Film Festival, I spoke to the directors of the film as well as two of the election officials included in the documentary. We'll bring you an edited version of that conversation after a quick break. Welcome back. What you're about to hear is an edited version of a Q&A with Sarah Archambault and Margot Guernsey, the directors of No Time to Fail. Sarah and Margot spent hundreds of hours following election officials in Rhode Island as they worked to guarantee access to mail ballots, early voting, and the polls on election day. We're also joined by two of the election officials from the documentary: Rob Rock, the director of elections for the Secretary of State's office, and Nick Lima the director of elections for the city of Cranston. Our talk was at the Coolidge Corner Theater in Brookline, Massachusetts during the Globe Docs Film Festival. The first voice you'll hear is director Margot Guernsey talking about what she learned from making the film.
4: As someone who didn't know anything about administering elections before we started spending time with these folks, it was a traumatic experience to watch how much they work. And we're not talking about putting in a few extra hours. We're talking about staying at the office till midnight for months, not seeing your family for months. Hi, then? Well, I still have a lot of work to do, so I probably won't see you tonight.
1: Oh, whack. You gotta
4: do something, like, less stressful. <laughs> no, I liked my job. I've had, I have so many
3: stories to tell you. All right. All right, bye, Mom. Bye, love you all.
4: A lot of you who are professionals, or in any job really, you know that if there's a deadline, and there's a project, and things change, and it's complicated that you can change the deadline. It happened in our film. We were supposed to finish, and it took us four more months to edit the film. In elections, that can't happen. If, because there is no team B. If the, team, if the office gets COVID, there's no, one who can, there's no substitute teacher who can come in and just cover because we don't have trained professionals to do that. And you can't change the date of the election. Oh, everyone has COVID. Sorry, we're gonna hold the election in December, guys. So it, the level of stress and the level of commitment is beyond what most people experience. And I think it's undervalued. They're not gonna toot their own horn, but the, there's a lot that goes into administering our elections.
0: I was a political science major in college, and uh, my favorite book was The Making of the President 1960 with JFK. I remember how Theodore White wrote about the grandeur and the value of the electoral system we have here in the United States, and I think you captured that very well in this film. But talk to us about how it also underscores how trust in the centuries-old system we have here is now under attack and what the consequences are. Let's start with Sarah.
3: In terms of what's happening with our democracy right now and the attacks against election officials, I think one of the things that Margo and I uh, discovered in the process of making this film and something that I know I personally maybe believed in my soul, but maybe never had witnessed on my own was how dedicated these election officials are to the nonpartisan value of every single vote and how much labor and attention went to every single person's vote mattering.
2: There's a good chance that they wouldn't get to the voter if we mail them tomorrow, so we're gonna deliver the ballots. My colleagues across the country like to tease me about how small we are in that, you know, I could open up my office window and yell to all of our voters because we're so, we're so tiny. And so w- my, uh, my good friend said, I bet you you could uh, just take a couple teams of people and just deliver all your mail ballots in person. And I said, you know what? Why not?
3: When I see attacks against election officials happening in our media today, in our cultural dialogue, I, I think my time in the trenches with, with folks like this has now made it very personal for me and I'm hoping that the more people who see this film start taking those attacks against democracy more personally because now you're bros with these people (laughs) and now because you know them and now because these people have come into your consciousness, attacks against
2: them means
3: they're attacks against you. I don't know, Rob and Nick, I'm, I'm kind of curious how you would answer that question.
2: I mean, this was just Rhode Island, but I can tell you that in every state, every county, every city, this is what it's like everywhere. There are dedicated officials all over the country. This is just one state, but I can guarantee you that wherever all of you are from, that there are election officials that work like this to make sure that your votes are counted, to make sure everything is fair. And I think it is very difficult when you hear about uh, people questioning the trust, questioning your motives, uh, when we're all just trying to make sure that everybody can vote. Uh, it's, uh, when I say I don't care who wins from a prof- uh, professional perspective, I mean that. I don't care who wins. You always say you wanna have high turnout, wide margins, but really our job is not to care who wins. It's our job is to make sure that all of you can cast a ballot and can trust the outcome.
0: And let me just ask Nick, do you expect to see more people questioning the, the electoral process in the midterms, and the 2024 elections?
1: Uh, well, we already have. Uh, yeah, you saw the, when the last scene of the film, was January 4th, and obviously we, we know what happened two days later. Uh, I mean, since then, uh, our offices, offices and elections around the country have been inundated with public records requests, conspiracy theorists, you know, monopolizing the time of election officials, including right in the middle of the current election. That's made it even more difficult, and that's been something that I only think two years ago we could have anticipated that level of. Public records requests. And at the same time, you, you, know, you talk about the consequences. We have election officials that just don't want to do this anymore. As passionate as they are, as important as this is to them, they may have done this for twenty years or thirty years and never thought it would be so bad. Yeah, and you never know, I just
0: retweeted that. a message from the Rhode Island Board of Elections saying our city and town boards and canvassers are looking for poll workers for the November eighth general election. So, how much of a shortage is there?
1: Well, we're a little bit lucky because it's a midterm uh, and and obviously it's totally different from a presidential election. Just in the city of Cranston, we go from needing 340 or 50 poll workers down to 240 or 250. So right there, it's significantly easier, but at the same time, we've got five openings right now. If anybody lives in Rhode Island, you are eligible to be a poll worker. We could use you. Um, And I've had some poll workers who worked in 2020, including some of my early voting crew, some of my best poll workers they just don't wanna do it anymore because they either don't feel safe or they're just turned off by politics, even though they've done this for two decades.
3: But I also importantly wanna say that a lot of people think that this is just one day in November. There are poll workers that work on those special election days. However, there are election officials that are actually doing this work year round and the election of it, not just the poll workers but the election officials themselves who have the institutional knowledge who have the years of experience those people are ones who are leaving the workforce and those are things that we should really be watching that's an excellent
0: point and margo let me ask you about a recent washington post story it said that a majority of republican nominees on the ballot this november for the house the senate and key statewide offices have denied or question the outcome of the last presidential election. So what does that tell you?
4: We're in a bad place. <laughs> I mean, I think any sane person who believes in, f- in facts would be fearful of that when we lose trust in our own systems. You've lost everything that is the underpinning of democracy.
0: That's a good point. And did you think of including in the film that is some footage from January 6th? It, it cuts off right before...
3: Do you remember when I was texting you on January 6th and I was like, Rob, there seems to be some commotion. (laughs) (laughs) And you were like, don't worry about it, the center will hold. That's what you said to me. Don't worry about it, the center will hold. And I think about that all of the time. That your faith in the system keeping us solid through the chaos of a moment that your true belief in that helped me weather that moment.
2: Yeah, and I think it's, it's our job to allow people to protest outside the Board of Elections and outside the Secretary of State's office and, and to do whatever protest they want. I mean, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to pr- provide people the opportunity to make their voices heard. And whether we agree or not and whether people question it or not, it's our job is to put our heads down and get a job done. And if you don't want to agree with the process or you don't want to agree with the outcome, that's certainly your opinion. It's, it's tough to hear because we all know that while mistakes happen and things happen and things aren't perfect, I can tell you that the outcome is correct. And so you just have to put your head down and you have to realize that we're doing this for, for people. We understand that there's a, a winner and a loser and usually the losers aren't happy about it and will say anything or do anything to try to rectify or, or, um, normalize their loss, but really our job is to make sure that people can vote and you have to tune it out, but our job is to make sure that you all can cast a ballot and whatever happens with the outcome and how everyone feels about who wins and who loses, not our issue. As long as you can vote and that the outcome's correct, that's what our, our main objective is.
0: As a Rhode Islander who swears too much, I thank you for the unfiltered version of Kathy Placencia. <laughs>
4: It's so funny. It's like these people are like, well, this one has a degree and this other one's a scientist. I don't give a fuck. Do they know how to follow direction? And it, she is the best. That was
2: tame. That was tame for Kathy. Is that, yes. that a,
0: does, that a, does that affect their movie rating? Or, uh, we don't have it probably it. will. But it struck me. She's like one of the unsung heroes that most people don't get to interview. I get to talk to her now and then. And the threats and the amount of work everybody's putting in. Can you tell us about the the, the pressures and the threats that election officials are facing and how... That is, seems to be increasing so much.
1: Well, I mean, again, in Rhode Island, we've been a little bit fortunate on that front. I mean, we see what our colleagues in states all around the country have been facing. I mean, you go to Georgia or Arizona, and there's been death threats, and they're putting up bulletproof glass or adding actual physical defenses to their offices or vote counting sites, and, you know, that's unfathomable a couple of years ago, and it unfortunately may be what we need to do going forward. At the same time, you know, Rob just said a minute ago, you know, we have a job to do, and our job is sacred, our job is critical to the success for our democracy, it's critical to confidence in our entire government, our society, uh, our way of life, and we have to protect it. You're just moving from crisis to crisis, problem to problem, and you're solving it, and you're moving on to the next one. And just like anything else we do in elections, when it comes to security, it's, it's a problem. Election officials are smart. We like solving problems. We may not like having to solve a problem that big, but we'll, we'll solve it, we'll move on to the next one, and that's all we can do.
0: And it is, the, is the larger problem that you can't find volunteers, you can't find poll workers, or is it that state legislatures are going to put in new systems that can override results, that can put in partisan officials in place of nonpartisan election workers?
4: I mean, I think, honestly, the biggest problem is that election deniers are running for office. And so once you have folks who are unwilling to certify a fair election, they're willing to overturn that because they don't agree with it, that's dangerous.
2: And I think the biggest challenge we have is education. People have to know the process. I think if people knew, and I'm just talking about Rhode Island, that if you vote by mail, we match your signature before you're sent a ballot, and we match your signature before your ballot is open and counted. If, if people knew that, if people knew about early voting and having to show an ID in Rhode Island, and having if, if people knew the process, I think people would be a lot more comfortable with those that, that don't believe in it. I have family members that still question what I do and question the process, and I can usually turn them around if I get 10 minutes. But guess what? People don't have 10 minutes to listen to an explanation or don't have an hour and a half to to watch a film. So I think really what we have to do as election officials is we have to educate people. We have to get out in front of this stuff and we have to make sure people realize that we have hardworking people all over the country making sure that you can vote and that there are processes in place to prevent fraud or to detect it and to make sure that everybody's vote is counted. So I think we have to really work hard in the next few years to educate people about the process.
3: I think that because there's this gap in information and gap of education, that disinformation has a ripe opportunity like a virus to just take advantage of this lack of information. So even really smart folks, folks who voted their whole lives would come to me during the election of 2020 because they knew I was making this film and they're like, well, how does that work? is this safe or is that safe, and they're asking me yeah. i 'm a filmmaker that's interesting I, and
0: are you also talking about civics education for younger I generations think, I think yeah. there's
3: a there's a part of, of the process that civic education really needs to play. I think margot's point about election deniers taking office is a thing that we all need to be watching at. People don't watch the down ballot races. You need to be looking at who's running for city clerk, you need to be looking at who's secretary of state. You need to be looking at that with a different kind of lens, instead of just voting R or voting D. Evaluate those people, see what their qualifications are, and if they understand how elections run. And what Rob is saying is also really important. Democracy is not a spectator sport, my friends. We all have to play. And all of us need to get involved in one way or another. And some of that starts with just education.
0: Did you come away from this film with a lot of hope or was it more disturbing?
4: I mean, anytime I see how hard people work, it gives me hope. And there is nothing about what we filmed or what we saw that wouldn't give someone hope.
3: I am a Gemini. And so I am both half cynical and half hopeful. And they are both battling constantly. And I have to say that when I am cynical, it's because I'm reading the news and I'm feeling like the effect of the news and I'm feeling the effect of the election denying and how that's influencing our culture. When I feel hopeful, it's because I'm with these guys. Let's hear from these guys. Are you,
1: are you closer to it than anybody? Are you hopeful? Or are you, well, hope is after all Rhode Island's motto. Sorry, Massachusetts folks. Uh, to me, we have to be hopeful, right? And that's what gets us out of bed. That's what gets us to work every morning. Um, And what we do is at the end of the day, as stressful it is, as crazy as it can sometimes be, it's extremely rewarding because every phone call we get, every email we respond to, every voter that walks into a polling place on election day is someone that we're in some way responsible for and someone that in some way we helped make their voice heard and to take a, a pause every now and then and, and grasp that and fully understand it definitely gives you hope. It definitely gives you a, a very positive and rewarding feeling that this is all worth it. You know, Working 15 hours a day for three, four, five, six weeks straight, and then that's just the primary. Now let's do it again for the general election. It, it can really be taxing, but it also, yeah, at the end of the day, it does leave you hopeful for the future because it works. It's a great system. And you see in the film. You see some things not work perfectly. Uh, you see a machine break down. You see a flash drive become corrupted and they have to rerun all the, all the ballots. But you also see the fail-safes. You see the safety net. You see how much thought goes into it from election officials to make sure that, yes, when, when plan A doesn't work, we still have plan B, C, D, and E. And we're going to follow them because we've, we've been down this road before. We know what we're doing. And, and that's what people need to see. And that's what need, people need to trust. And my hope is more people will see that going forward. Um, and, and part of it is gonna be more people seeing this film. Part of that will be better education. Part of it will be even the media. I remember, in mean, 2020, you wrote a, a piece about how we needed poll workers in the, in the globe. And we had calls the next day, that helped. Uh, that gave us hope. And it's just those small touches, even if it got, got us one extra poll worker, that helps. At least we can touch somebody. At least we can convince somebody. And while we will never convince everybody, as long as most people have our backs, we'll have theirs. I mean, that's what we have to do.
2: Good points. Rob? Yeah, and I think we absolutely have hope. And it's because of people like Nick. Whatever town you live in, city you live in, whatever state you live in, I guarantee you, there are people like that in your town that were in this film that are people working till midnight, making sure that you can cash your ballot. There's a team behind all of us. And for every Nick and Kathy, there's two or three in your city and town, and your state. And I think that's why there's no question that there's hope for, for all of this, no question. All right, well, let's
0: uh, give them a big round of
2: applause. Thank you all for coming
0: out tonight. Spread the word. For more information about where you can watch No Time to Fail, including details about a free online streaming event, go to notimetofail.com. That's notimetofail, all one word.com. Rhode Island Report is a production of the Boston Globe. Today's episode was produced by Megan Hall, Carlos Munoz, and Scott Hellman. On-site recording at the Coolidge Corner Theater by Jared Early. Audio Mixing and Mastering by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our music is from APM. And if you like the podcast, do us a favor. Subscribe to the show and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm Ed Fitzpatrick. See you next week.